This evening's uh, message is definitely a lot more instructional. It's not so much preaching. Uh, it's more teaching time. Uh, and uh, after, and we're really going to look about reaching the lost this evening. All right, we had a, our missions conference really got to us about making missions personal. Uh, so I'm going to look at some verses with you this evening that are very familiar to you uh, and just encourage you. And as well, after this evening, there's going to be sign-up sheets in the foyer. Uh, so Brother Ramo is leading up our visitation, which is door-to-door, uh, out in the streets, inviting people in, witnessing the folks. He's leading that part of the ministry of our outreach this year. And uh, hopefully it'll be permanent, but we will talk about that later. Uh, but uh, Brother Rainbow's heading that up, and he really needs you to sign up if you're interested in helping in that regard. You might say, "Well, oh, Pastor Alcock, I'm a little nervous. Do it anyway. All right, sign up. Uh, do you find Brother Rainbow really pushy type of guy? Come on, who tell me who thinks he's pushy? No. <laughs> Someone just lied in the front. But anyway... <laughs> He, he would love to encourage you to reach souls for Jesus. Uh, so if you're a little nervous, you, you let him know. And I know he'll pair you up with somebody who's a, a very confident. I mean, it's not confident that we know it all, but we're confident in, in witnessing. It takes a little bit, I understand. Uh, so he'll pair you up. But he really needs, and all of us with the other one as well, we're going to talk about in a moment, we really need you to sign up and give your phone number, especially in the realm with this visitation program, because it's not going to be every week here at the church. Maybe you'll meet in different places. Uh, so that just that connection point is a lot more important uh, than with distribution, and we're going to look at that in a second. So please go by after, sign up for it. And just when you, because you sign up doesn't mean you have to be at every one of them. All right, so Brother Raymond sends a text and says, hey, or I make an announcement for Brother Raymond. Brother Raymond makes the announcement that you're doing it. You can't make it. We understand. But the idea is that you're trying to try to do it, okay? You're going to get out there, put yourself out there, and uh, witness, hey, teenagers, all of you who have gone on help program, you can do this, okay, with Brother Raymond. Uh, you've actually done it with Brother Raymond on the help program. Right, Brother Ramo? Most of them here. If you've been on the help program, you've done it with Brother Ramo. Alright, so please do sign up. And that doesn't mean that that's all you do this year, uh, but we want you to be involved with that. And then the other one is distribution sign up. So we'll have those throughout the year. Uh, we'll have some early on a Sunday afternoon, so maybe four o'clock on the Sunday afternoon we'll meet. We won't have a regular service. We'll have outreach time. So both groups will go out, visitation and distribution. You want to be involved in distribution, please sign up. It just helps us know how many teams we can put out. Uh, we did that on Saturday. We had a great crowd. I think it was almost 30 people out yesterday. This is yesterday was Saturday, yep. Uh, and uh, handed out uh, literature. We got out si- almost 1,600 pieces of literature. I mean, that's fantastic, folks. I'm thrilled. And so just to be involved, so there'll be some Saturdays like that, uh, maybe a Sunday or two like that as well. i just trying to get as much participation. I really love what Pastor Stone said last week about how he had led his church. 100% participation. Can you imagine? 100% of our church gets participating, reaching souls for Christ. It'll make a difference. Uh, so really going to encourage you that way. All right, so uh, we look forward to it, uh, getting uh, rid- uh, mid- uh, literature out there, reaching folks. Uh, we put a goal of uh, 20,000 uh, to put out. I think now we're close to 3,000 pieces of literature out so far this year. So we got to hustle up and make our goal, uh, but I- I'm pretty confident we'll make it. All right, so uh, Romans chapter 3. We're going to start there uh, with our uh, service this evening, our instructional time. So a lot of the things I'm going to say about this uh, will be... 
on the back table as well, a little card about the Romans Road. So you can take, this is free for you to take when you go out the door this evening. We'll have them around next week as well uh, and weeks following. Uh, so you'll, I'll go through this instructional time and you'll see a lot of this on this piece of paper. It's a great aid. All right. Uh, I haven't done it in this Bible because uh, I'm getting a little older. I need glasses now, right? <clears throat> I'm 43 almost. I'm, I'm getting old. Uh, but I, I have a bigger Bible for reading from the pulpit. But I have a Bible that I use often when I go to someone's home to witness to them. And in that Bible, I have John, uh, Romans 3:23 underlined. And then I go, I got right next to it the next verse I got to go to. All right. Uh, you might say, well, Pastor, you should know them all off by heart. Uh, well, I got a great forgetter. Uh, so, but if I write it down, unless I can't read, I'm good. You know, I'll go to the next verse. So, uh, and so that's a great thing for you to do as well. So, just imagine uh, that uh, you you're interacting with somebody who's lost. Maybe it's a coworker, maybe it's a neighbor, maybe it's a friend. I'm going to give you the story of a total stranger I met. All right, and this is what happened with me in the Romans Road with this stranger. Uh, so, my wife had gotten sick. She had some dizzy spells. She was really not feeling well. And she went into Toronto for, I call it torture uh, testing. They put water in her ears and different things. Uh, and just seeing her balance was okay. And this testing took a long time. Okay, so I brought my work, church work into the hospital. I found a quiet corner. I thought, no one will find me here. You know, I, I wanted to get ahead on some work. I had my computer. That's the nice thing about uh, laptops. You can your office is just about anywhere, right? So I'm working on some sermons and stuff. And uh, I think that I think the testing looked like three hours. It was a long time. And uh, so I'm like, oh man, I'm going to punch out so much work here today. I'm going to feel like a champ. So I'm, I'm right in the way. And I see this guy walk by. And you ever been somewhere and you're mind your own business and you feel someone's looking at you? Right? Anyone else? Raise your hand. Have anyone? Just a, I think every one of us has been there. You know, you're minding your own business. Maybe you're doing something, and something you've done kind of perks their interest. Like, what are you doing? Uh, so he walked by one time, and then about five minutes later, he walked by, and now it's getting a little creeped out. It's a darker, uh, you know, it's off to the side. You know, I'm thinking, can I take him if he attacks me or something? You know, it's weird how your mind works, right? But anyway, uh, so finally he goes, is anyone sitting there? There's only one seat next to me. I'm like. It's free. Go for it. No problem. And uh, he starts talking to me. I think his name was Alan, if I remember it right. Uh, and uh, he started talking. And this guy, man, he had the gift to gab. Okay? So I'm going to Ireland in a few weeks. In Cork, there's a, what's called the Balarney Stone. Has anyone ever heard of the Balarney Stone? Okay? It's a mythical stone that if you kiss it, you have the gift to gab. So guess what I'm doing when I go to Cork? I'm kissing that stone. No. <laughs> At any rate, I was thinking in my mind, I guess it's pretty this is where I'm from, Newfoundland. I heard about the Blarney Stone. And I'm thinking, this guy must have kissed that rock a hundred times. This guy can talk. And he's talking about everything. So guess what? I'm not getting any work done, right? It's really hard to concentrate. And he's yarning on. You know, My dad would be saying he's chewing the rag too much. Like, be quiet. Uh, and then he looks at me and goes, so what do you do? Okay, here we go. With what I do, you know, immediately is either they perch their interest or they're running down the hallway. Okay, that's what I found. So it's either like ask some more questions, what's a Baptist, or okay, bye, I'm out of here. So I told him, I said, yeah, I'm, I'm a minister. Really? You don't look like one. 
this is going great type of thing. Uh, uh, so yes, I am. I'm sorry I don't meet your <laughs> vision of a Baptist minister, but at any rate, so I said, um, yeah, so I'm a Baptist minister. I said, do you, do you go to church or what religion are you? I can't remember exactly how I stated it. Uh, he said, well, I said, I'm Jewish. Oh, I said, right, that's great. And I, he said, but I'm an atheist. I said, oh, really? I said, you know what, Alan? I said, not very many atheists ever come to church. Can I ask you a few questions? And he's like, sure. So I got talking to him. Asked him, you know, his background. I'm telling you, we talked for about an hour and a bit. And we just chatted about different things. I asked him where he, how, how he came to that position of uh, being an atheist. And I'll be honest, uh, the more I talked to him, the more I realized he became atheist because he saw hypocrites in the hierarchy of Judaism. And I'm going to guarantee you, a lot of atheists in our world today have seen hypocrites and Pharisees in the leadership of churches, and they're like, if that God allows that, I'm out. All right? Uh, and it's sad, uh, but the reality is, we all sin, right? I'm not, I'm not discounting what those guys did was wrong, uh, but the reality is, God's still on the throne. Uh, because men fail does not give us an excuse not to believe in Him, all right? Uh, so he, he told me that, and so I was talking to him, I said, so, has anyone ever told you about Jesus? I mean, and again, we've been talking for a while, so I mean, he was ripe for the talking to, and uh, he's like, well, yeah, I kind of heard about it. I said, can I share with you some verses? Now, I wasn't jamming it down his throat. I was trying to be very kind, being very polite. I'm trying to be Canadian, you know, and uh, being polite and things. He's like, yeah, sure. What, what, what verses? I said, you, you know, I said, oh, we under, understand that we believe there is a God, right? He goes, yeah, I know. I, I know Christians believe that. I said, well, according to Romans 3.23, I said, the Bible says, for all have sinned, come short of the glory of God. You know, Alan didn't fight me on that one at all. He started giving me examples of how he messed up. I was like, okay, Alan, don't need to tell me anymore. <laughs> Stop, okay? We know. And the idea is that, you know, the, the idea of uh, sinners, we've missed the mark that God has laid out for us. We all have sinned. We missed the mark. We can't. We, we steal, we've aided, or so forth, so on. We've sinned, all right? He, he totally, totally got that. He didn't have a problem with that. He didn't look at me and say, you, that's unbelievable. I can't believe you guys believe that. And I said, well, then the next thing in the Bible it says, and again, when you're witnessing, let me encourage you, if you're getting to this point, because this doesn't happen in five, it's never happened to me in five minutes of door. It takes some time. Uh, I'm not saying it never can happen. Uh, but we live in a culture now that's becoming more and more cynical about Christianity and just in general. I'm, and I'm talking about the worldly view of Christianity. I'm not talking about true Christianity, you know, having saving faith. Uh, so, you know, sometimes it takes a while. Hey, I remember meeting with one couple for six weeks before they, the wife really understood what salvation was. Hey, folks, it takes time. But it's worth every bit of time we put into it. Uh, so I said to him, I said, you know, the next verse says uh, in Romans 6.23, I said, for the wages of sin is death. I said to Alan, I said, you know, we all die, right? Yep. Told me about how his mom died in England. You know, and, and we chatted about that. I said, so we all die. And then I tried to tell him, hey, it's just not a physical death, it's spiritual. But the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. So I said, when I get in my pulpit and, and when I talk to people, just like I'm doing with you, Alan, I tell them this verse. That there's hope. Though we have sinned, though we have done wrong, 
there, there is hope. And you know, the wages is that we're going to die if we don't accept Christ and we'll be eternally separated from God. And then I go over to Romans chapter uh, 5, verse 8. Uh, another great verse. Uh, the first part, I just mentioned him for the wages of sin is death. I didn't go through all the other verses I just mentioned to you of that verse. Then I went over to Romans chapter 5, verse 8. But God commended His love toward us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. So, if we just left it that we're going to be separated from Christ for eternity and death, that's there's no hope, right? That's a depressing message. But we Christ died for you. You know, Alan, He came. He came to take your place as a sinner. Uh, he, he came and be your substitute. And now, I'll be honest, by now, Alan's getting a little fidgety. He, he was happy. He talked about Newfoundland. He had been there, so he had a commonality there and different things. Uh, he had an uncle who was Irish, so he immediately thought that he had a connection to Newfoundland, you know, type of thing. And uh, So we, we had a lot of commonality, but now he's feeling, okay, I don't know if I like this message much anymore. You know, and that was fine. You know, who, who likes to be told they have to be saved? We think we can do it on our own, like we, you know, this morning we saw with Paul. He thought he could do it on his own. Alright, so the good thing is then, in Romans chapter 10, verse number 13, the good news is all men can't be saved. You can't be saved. Uh, on verse number th- uh, 13, for whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Ephesians 2, 8, and 9 are another great verses for us. Uh, we looked at those this morning that, hey, it's not by works of righteousness which we have done. We've got to look to Jesus, right? We accept Him by faith. That we, grace means undeserved or unmerited. None of us deserve salvation, folks. No one on the planet deserves it. It was undeserved. And saved means to be rescued from the penalty of sin. That's what's happened. We're getting rescued. And that word faith means trust as well. I mean, I mean, as what we know as faith is trust. So you're putting your trust in the Lord. And I didn't see any of you check the pews before you sat down this evening. You all trusted the pews would hold you and everybody else who's in the pew with you. I never seen anyone get, you see all of everybody else sit down, you're waiting, then you sat down. No, you just trusted it. Right? That's what you did. And, and week in, week out, we sit under these pews, we trust them, we know they're good to go. We don't have to worry about them crashing down. The first time it does happen, everyone will be testing it, right? But we, we, it's the idea, you just put your trust in it. You put your trust in Jesus Christ. It's, it's by faith. It, you you put your faith in Jesus. So when you put your faith, you know, and there's lots of talk about you know faith and repentance. I believe it's all in one. But there is repentance if you trust Jesus Christ by faith. Because I can't sit on this chair. In example, okay, I'm putting my faith in this chair to hold me. I'm, I'm, this is the trusting factor. I can't be like, oh, I'm not quite sure. You know, so the idea is, as an individual who comes to Jesus Christ, I was going this way, I repent, I turn from whatever I was trusting in, and now I put it in Jesus Christ. And I think it's, it's vitally important for us to make that, there has to be some mention of it, because we live in a culture, uh, with so many religions that say, hey, I'll take Jesus with the rest of my gods. There has to be, there has to be, I mean, it's all part of the faith. It's not faith, repentance, then you're saved. It's all part of the one thing, I believe. You, you believe in Jesus Christ, that's what you're doing. It's Him alone, amen? 
We don't believe in works. We don't believe in other gods. We don't believe it's a church. It's in Jesus. Now, you need to be a church. Amen? You need to be serving. Absolutely. But it's not salvation. We get saved to do good works. We don't do good works to get saved. So the idea is that we need to make sure that we understand what that is. Uh, that, hey, you, you, we're totally... It's totally different. And that gives us the idea of transformation, right? This way... I was going was my own way. And sometimes I try to reform my way. Right? Lots of people out there today trying to reform themselves. And I'm not saying that they shouldn't stop smoking or doing drugs. Yeah, you need to do that. Absolutely. That's, that's reforming yourself. When you accept Jesus Christ as Savior, that's transformation. He does the work. You accept the gift. Amen? And He does the work through us. He helps us get through it. I remember clearly speaking to... And I know I've given this illustration before. Troy Stuck was a man we led to the Lord in Newfoundland. And he for so long said, Well, Pastor, I'm not getting saved because I love to drink. I said, Troy, you get saved and the Lord will help you with that. I wasn't getting him reformed before he got saved. He needed Jesus first. And you know what? He got saved... And you know, about three weeks later, he goes, Pastor, I don't want to drink anymore. I was like, hey, isn't it great? That's what the Lord did for you. It's an evidence of transformation. Now, I understand there's individuals who struggle with that addiction stuff. Now, I'm not blaming saying they're not saved. But for Troy, it was an evidence of God saving transformation in his life. So by the time I got this far with Alan, Alan had found a reason to take off for home. Okay. He wasn't excited about hearing anything else. Now, I don't know. I gave him a track up. I don't know if Alan ever accepted Christ as Savior. But the reality is, I am not responsible for Alan to get saved. I'm responsible to tell him. That's my responsibility. No, that day, I'm going to guarantee you, though that was a divine appointment by the Lord for Alan. Because I went out of my way to find a quiet place. Not because I was being antisocial. Or anything of that nature. I wanted to get some work done, you know, and you know, different things. And really, the work I wanted to get done wasn't that important compared to telling someone about Jesus. You know, I remember. I think my wife heard me talk about this all the way home that day, and she was with the water in her ears, and she's probably like, "Be quiet over there." I just want quiet. I was so excited. I got to share Jesus with somebody. You know, and the idea that he needed to hear it, he did, and I got to go through the whole gospel with him. It was amazing. Have you found this believer? You shared the gospel, and boy, you're walking on cloud nine, even if they never accepted the Lord at that moment. Because you're doing what you're, the purpose God has for you. You're excited about it. Yeah, this is what I'm supposed to be doing. This is what God wants for me. I need to be telling. You know, and let me encourage you, for those who, you know, you're a little bit shy, hey, you know, just to be around someone who's maybe a little bit more confident in sharing the Lord and learn from them and give it a go. I'm going to tell you, Nobody has all the answers. Nobody does. And to think that someone who's lost has got the angle on salvation is crazy because you have accepted Jesus Christ as your Savior. You know what it's about. You know, they might have some questions about where, well, where's Adam and Eve and all this kind of stuff. Well, hey, that's a great question, but do you know where you're going to go when you die? Hey, have you heard about Jesus? So the idea you're doing, you are looking for, uh, you know, you can ask questions of spiritual things. Do you go to church? That's always a great opening thing. Uh, maybe consider coming and visit our church, and this is what we believe at our church. Uh, do you think, do you think yourself a good person? They're all good questions to ask. Uh, and, you know, another good one is, who do you think Jesus is? 
And that really helps you real quick to understand if they're saved or they're lost. If they tell me, oh, he's a good guy, oh, we got a long ways to go, my friend. He's son of God. He wasn't just a good guy. He's perfect. He's son of God who came and died for us. So some of those questions can help us to figure out what these people are and really help us to reach them better. All right? Uh, so, and then if, if, hey, if Alan would have got saved that day, I would encourage Alan to get to a church. So if you lead someone to Jesus Christ, praise the Lord. If you lead someone to Christ, you better tell me. His pastor will be mad if you don't. All right? You don't want a mad newfie, okay? You tell me, please. I will be ecstatic. I will be having a little happy dance in my office or wherever I am because that is what it's all about, folks. You know, when we come to church, we get edified, we, we hear the Word of God preached and taught and we get encouraged. Uh, that's great, but it's re- that's part of the mission is reaching the lost. You know, uh, I'll make sure you got my cell phone. You can text me. I, I, I would be ecstatic. You can phone me. I would be ecstatic to hear about that, okay? Uh, is it so important? Encourage that new believer in, in, in discipleship. That's not to say that you have to do all the discipleship. Maybe I could help. Maybe Pastor Matt could help. But the idea is that we get behind this new believer and lead them the right way, right? And there's lots of false teachers out there who would just love to snatch up someone who just accepted Christ as Savior and get them all confused. Uh, it is, it's still part of our mission to see someone get saved. It's part of our mission to teach them what the Bible says. Alright, so it's not just get them saved. It's like, okay, so long. No, they need to get in the church. They need to get encouraged, uh, by the Lord and, and believers. You know, I, I gotta be honest, I was tickle pink this morning. Okay, so there was a fellow here this morning who's helping us with uh, our church with uh, finances and stuff like uh, with the bank. And he had to come. We had to get some signatures and things. And uh, he's sitting over in the corner there back by the, the sound booth. And I watched and so many of our folks went over there and talked to Jeff. That was his name. That's his name, Jeff. And uh, after service, we were in my office signing some papers. It was really kind of him to come to us. Rather than everybody go to him. And Jeff made the comments like, man, you got a great church. There's, there's enthusiasm here. I love the music. Hey, praise the Lord. You know, and, and the new believer that comes in, he needs that to be encouraged. And don't worry, I'm going to be inviting Jeff to come to our Easter program too. All right. You know, so the idea is that we just need to be taking those opportunities and showing them Christ and then bringing them along. So it's salvation. We've got to tell them about Jesus. They get saved. We need to bring them to church. Alright, and help them get discipled. Now, real quick, over to Acts, uh, chapter number, uh, 16. So, make sure you get that card. Uh, I don't know if I said everything that's on the card, but it's there, and you can add to it, you can take away from it. But I would encourage you, if you've got a Bible, uh, that you use for when you're witnessing to people, write that out. So it really helps you to go from right verse to right verse to right verse. Really helps. I know it's really helped me. I would think it would help you, okay? Uh, so this uh, portion of Scripture is Paul, he's going to Philippi, okay? Uh, chapter 16 and verse number 13. Uh, 14, no, 13, 13, there's where I'm supposed to be. And on the Sabbath, so Paul is now in Philippi. On the Sabbath, Acts 16, 13, on the Sabbath he went out of the city by a riverside and where prayer was wont to be made and we sat down and spake unto the women that resorted thither. So they, they, they accustomly gathered there, right? And a certain woman named Lydia, seller of purple of the city of Thyatira, 
which worship God, heard us, whose heart the Lord opened, uh, that she attended unto the things which were spoken. And when she was baptized in her household, she besought us, saying, If ye judge me to be faithful, Lord, come into my house and abide there. And she constrained us. So, in this portion, we're going to look at a few more verses too. In this portion of uh, a Word of God, I think there's three major people groups that Paul reached, or I shouldn't say people groups, people situations that Paul reached, I think, they exist today in our society. And I think what we see here really can help us reach those people. So just a little background of Philippi. Uh, Paul landed on the mainland of Europe. Uh, Philippi was in, is in Greece. So this is the first time that we know it's recorded the gospel going to Europe. Okay, here in Acts chapter 16. Uh, Philippi was not the largest city in the region, but it was the chief city of that part of Macedonia. So think of like the capital of a province, okay? So it might not be the biggest city, uh, but it was the major center, maybe the political seat or, you know, I don't, we don't know for sure how, but I think it was a political. Uh, Philippi had been founded hundreds of years before by Philip of Macedon, uh, who was the father of Alexander the Great. And many years later, when Rome conquered that area, Octavius planted a Roman colony there called Philippi. And he, he planted a colony there of Roman veteran soldiers. He established a military outpost there. And he constructed what amounted to be a miniature Rome. Okay, that's what they did. So in that setting, we find Lydia. Okay. Lydia, we see, was a merchant. Uh, and she sold purple. It was very expensive. That's what I understand it to be. It wasn't everybody could afford that. Uh, and Paul did not meet her, though, at the market buying the clothes. He met her at the river. She, and he met her at the river because that's where people would go to pray. So you know what I kind of get from her is that Lydia was a religious individual. She was... Wondering, she pondered, she looked to God. I don't think she was saved when Paul first met her, though. You know, so just that's one. Then the second one is the possessed girl a little further on. And verse 16. And it came to pass as we went to pray, a certain damsel possessed with a spirit of divination met us, with brought her masters much gain by soothsaying. So that's fortune telling. She's a slave girl. They were making her money. Okay, she was making them money. And the same followed Paul and, and us and cried, saying, These men are servants of the Most High God, which showed unto us the way of salvation. And she did this many days, but Paul, being grieved, turned and said to the Spirit, Command thee in the name of Jesus Christ to come out of her. And he came out of her the same hour. And then the, mad, the masters were upset. So we're not given this girl's name. We don't know anything about her besides that she was a young girl, a young lady. She was not a merchant. She was a slave. Okay? She was being used by wicked men to get profit, and, and it was because of this demon, and this demon was causing her pain. There's no doubt about it. We can see in Scripture where other possessed individuals were hurt physically by it. Uh, and then Paul saw this, and she, he, she approaches Paul numerous times, and then one day uh, Paul was used to cast forth the demon by the power of God. So that's the second person. And then the third person is the jailer. I'll go a little bit further. So... Uh, Paul and Silas get in trouble with the magistrates because they freed this girl from this demonic uh, possession and they go to jail. Talk about injustice, right? Like, come on, what's the problem here? This is great to help her out. But they get thrown in the stocks. Verse 25, And at midnight Paul and Silas prayed and sang praises unto God, and the prisoners heard them. 
And suddenly there was a great earthquake so that the foundation of the prison were shaken. Immediately all the doors were open and everyone's bands were loose. And the keeper of the prison awake out of his sleep, seeing the prison doors open. He drew out his sword and would have killed himself, supposing that the prisoners had been fled. But Paul cried with a loud voice saying, Do thyself no harm, for we are all here. Then he called for a light, sprang in, came trembling, fell down before Paul and Silas, and brought them out and, sir, and said, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? And then Paul uh, says, and, uh, and they said, Believe in the Lord Jesus Christ, and thou shalt be saved in thy house. So the jailer. So this was a man who had a good job. You might say, oh, jailer, I wouldn't want a job like that. Well, it provided steady income for a man. Okay? And we and sometimes it's hard for us to think uh, in the terms of the economic situation in that time. Uh, so this man was middle to upper income type here. Okay, he had a family, he had a home. Because he takes Paul and Silas to his home. And not only did he have a home, he had provisions for medicine and he had food. Because he took Paul and Silas at night to his home. Because it was at midnight when Paul and Silas were singing and the earthquake happened. I mean, talk about some guys who were really out of tune, right? Caused an earthquake. Ha, 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 you didn't get that one. But <laughs> uh, the idea is that that happened. He brings them home. So this man had some material wealth at his fingertips. All right, so three different types of people. So let's look at them in their life stages and economic situations, okay? Lydia represents those who are searching for answers. She was going praying. She was looking to God for something. She might not have understood. She, I, I believe she did not. She was, she was at a religious event. She was at a place of prayers. You know, we have people that, like that in our lives who are looking to religion to provide answers. And they can be rich. They could be poor. They could be middle income. But there's people in our world who are looking and they're interested in spiritual things. You might say, well, that's not as much as back in Paul's day. Maybe not. But there's still people who are interested. There's still people who are asking questions. And just because they go to church, we need to be careful about this. Just because an individual goes to church doesn't mean they know Jesus Christ is Savior. Right? It's important to ask those questions. You know, that question about who do you, who in your opinion is Jesus Christ? That's a great question for anybody because you'll find out real quick where they're at. Alright? So they, 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 maybe she, this event was held by other Christians. I don't think so. I think this was just a place people would go and pray and not all of them were saved at this event, I believe, at this prayer place. But in in the context of today, not everybody you'll meet who says, I go to church is saved, and not everyone who says they're a Christian knows Jesus Christ is their Savior either. So we need to be careful about, hey, saying, hey, do you know the Gospel? Hey, what do you know about Jesus? There's, there, and in a way, they're, they're easier fruit, if you want to use the term. Uh, easier to harvest those for Jesus Christ because... They know something. Hey, you know what? It's a whole lot easier to win someone who is a Catholic to Christ than a Hindu. You're like, Pastor, what are you talking about? Hey, they don't have any problem with the Trinity, a Catholic. They got no problem with the virgin birth. They got no problem that Jesus is other things about Jesus the Bible says. They got lots of other problems. I'm not saying the church is preaching the truth. No, I'm not. But a Hindu has no concept of one God. 
It's, I'm not saying it's impossible because it's not. It's wonderful when you lead one, but you just understand the different places. And but they're they're searching, so we need to be looking to help them. So we, then we see that possessed girl. She represents those who are poor. She definitely does. Misused, abused. She was reached because of an act done for her, right? Paul was used by God to cast out that demon uh, and, and, and the act of kindness. I don't believe that demon would have been cast out if she wasn't accepting the truth of Jesus Christ. That's my personal belief. That she was she's saved. And we'll meet her in heaven someday. You know, thousands of people have been reached with the gospel of Jesus Christ because of acts of kindness. Now, I'm not talking that our church is going to turn around and just all be social justice and social uh, gospel and all that. No. But there is a place to help people who are in bad places. Absolutely. Have you ever heard of the, in Chicago, of the uh, garden, or is it Pacific Garden Mission? Anyone ever heard of that? It's a downtown ministry of Chicago, and Chicago is not a place you want to live downtown. I'm going to tell you right now. Uh, I was at a conference in Chicago last year, and I met some of the fellows who run that ministry. I mean, they're rough. Okay, they're eight. I'm, I'm, I'm starting to talk like them. <laughs> they are not like what you would think, you know, clean cut, good looking guys in a sense. You know, that maybe that stereotypical thing you get for a pastor. But these individuals love those men and women who are down and out. And I'm telling you, they told me story upon story of how they reach people with Jesus Christ. Now, they gave them a meal and then they witnessed to them. Hey, that's an act of kindness, right? Now, I'm not saying that church is going to go around and turn and do that, but you can do that as an individual believer. You know someone has a need. Hey, hey, I'll help you with that need and I'll witness to you. I'll tell you what the, what the Word of God says. Okay, so that, I think that's part of the groups that we have around there. So those who are searching for answers, though we, those that we uh, do an act of kindness for. And then the jailer. Again, I think he represents that kind of middle class type family. And we have lots of those around here, don't we? Nice homes. I mean, their credit cards might be maxed out. They might have debt up to their eyeballs, but everything looks great, right? The, the image. It's all about image. Uh, and, and, you know, they're okay physically. Uh, their family really doesn't need anything. And one day, you know, the, when Paul and Silas went in that jail that day in the afternoon, do you think that he would have asked them, how do I, how, what must I do to be saved, Paul? No, he could care less. He was probably slapping around when they went in the inner cell. Get in there! You know, I can't believe you caused a stink in my town. Get in that cell! And he's probably annoyed that they were singing in their, their songs. Hey, but that moment that he thought everything was gone, then he came looking, didn't he? Because he was responsible for every prisoner in that prison. And he knew that anything got away, it was his life. Hey, that was that was the real downside of his job security. You're a jailer as long as no one gets free, escapes. If they escape, it's your life. Well, okay, I'll take the risk. Means I got a nice home, means I got food, means I got something good for my family. Hey, that moment that that, that middle class family or whatever it is that, that seemed to have it all, hey, when illness strikes, when job loss, when uh there's trouble in the marriage, a child is not living right, causing problems, hey, tell them about Jesus. And maybe the witness has already been given, and then they come back saying, Hey, I you have something I have, I need. I need it. 
He was ready for it then, right? He had heard it. That, but that needed to be a circumstance, a trial, a trouble that caused him to look upon Paul and for us in our context, us as individual believers and say, hey, I need what you have. Tell me, what must I do to be saved? Hey, isn't it great then to say, hey, solution is Jesus. Solution is Jesus. Again, I don't know if in heaven uh, we have one of those big screen TVs that we can see all what says in the, what the Bible says, but I hope I can see this part where Paul looks at him and says, believe in the Lord Jesus Christ and thou shalt be saved. Now, because a few moments before, he was ready to take his life. Talk about being in a desperate place, right? He was in a desperate place. And Paul says, hey, there's hope. I, I, I think... This category around here is a huge one. There's a lot of people in our community in a desperate place. You trying to keep up with the Joneses? I mean, that is foolishness, unbelievably foolishness, but there's lots of people doing it. And, and, and this, this is not working out right, and this is not working out right, and, and all the... Hey, we, we don't see it when they pull into the Walmart and they go strutting in there and everything looks good or some other store and, you know, they're coming up with all the nice things. Uh, we don't know about the fights that take place in the cars and at homes and how there's separation and things. Hey, there might be just that one last straw and they're desperate and you're there and say, hey, you need Jesus. Hey, just like I mentioned this morning in the message, we don't know what's going on in the hearts of people. Hey, we don't know if that's the moment. Hey, guess what? The Lord lined up that day for me to tell Alan. He didn't tell me about any major problems in his life. He me besides the past and things. But God appointed that day, that hour with Alan so he would know about Jesus. Hey, let's not, let's not run away from our divine appointments. God's got some lined up for us. Let's make sure we take them, we seize them, and we show people Jesus. Let's be diligent about it. Let's not run away from it. And let's be excited about it. It shouldn't be, oh, i got to go do this today. You know, like the kids who don't want to go make their beds. Oh, i got to go do this to keep mom happy so she's not at me. Hey, we get to tell people about the greatest Savior of the world. The only Savior. Let's not kind of pass. I understand that you can't have these conversations every day. Or if it is, great. I understand that sometimes it'd be maybe a little bit of drier season, and there's other times when you have a bunch. Praise the Lord! Now, take those tracks, lay them out, put them places. I'm trying to. I'll be honest, as an individual Christian, I'm trying better to be passing out tracks. Here, you need to read this. Hey, you need to come up to our church. You got a bunch of new uh, uh, business cards done up for you know, our new name and things. Legacy Baptist Church, my name's on it. It's like, hey, you need to come to our church. You need to go check our website. You need to know about... I mean, it's easy. I mean, I shouldn't say it's easy. It's easier when you're excited about it. When you're... It's not, it's not exciting. It's not easy. Because you get the wrong heart attitude, right? You know, the idea is that we need to be excited about it. We get to do this. And I'm telling you, folks, are just so, and you know them in your workplace, your family, whatever. You know them. They need Jesus. And uh, I, I, there's not there's just not the same amount of people telling other people about Jesus like there used to be. So let's let's make sure. I'm not saying that our church is failing, but I know there's less and less churches who are telling other people about Jesus. So we need to make sure that we're seizing the day and telling them. So 
And we're going to sing in just a moment. Please go by and sign up. Uh, the be visitation, distribution, and make sure you get one of these Roman roads and you know, mark it in your Bible, whatever it is. The idea is just that you're trying to reach people. And and as we close, and be praying about it. Be praying for those divine appointments. I'll be honest, that day when Alan came, I wasn't praying for a divine appointment. I was wanting to get work done, but God had other plans, and boy, I'm glad that God got in there. Amen. Let the Lord lead, let the Lord do it and see some amazing things done for him.